following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. John 12, and if you will, let's look at uh, verse 44. John 12, looking at verse 44 and following. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, he that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I am not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which hath sent me, he gave me a, a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, whatsoever I speak thereof. Uh, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak from this passage of Scripture, I'd like to teach on this subject, Christ's confession. Christ's confession. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as we consider these things this morning, God, thank you for those who are here to be with us. We pray, Father, for those who are not feeling well. And Lord, we pray, Father, for those who uh, could be here and are not here. Father, maybe somewhat uh, um, lacking faithfulness in, in the area of a church attendance. I pray, God, that you'd correct that. And I pray, Father, that you'd bless our time now here, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Christ's confession. Now here, this comes on the heels of uh, uh, Christ dealing with the confession uh, and the salvation, the subject of confession and salvation that we considered in verses 42 and 3, where the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because the Pharisees they did not confess him, unless they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So we dealt with confession and salvation there. But this morning we want to finish this chapter. Hopefully, I don't know that we'll finish it in this particular message, but we're going to be talking about ending, if you will, this chapter, the consideration of Christ and his a confession. And we'll begin uh, uh, talking about Christ's confession with this issue here, the message of his confession. In verse 44, the Bible says here, Jesus cried and said. What we have here is Christ's message of his confession of himself. Now the word message is defined as any notice, word, or communication, written or verbal, sent from one person to another or many people. An official written or verbal communication of facts and or opinions. Here, we, here, here in these words of Christ, uh, we find uh, we, we're receiving heaven's own official verbal and written record of Christ's confession. In this confession, in this message of his confession, we, he asserts some things. We're going to talk about those things as many of, as we can get to this morning. First of all, he asserts the fact of his deity. Look, if you will, to verses 44 and 45. We're not talking about man's opinion because we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God as profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. These are the words of God, and this is, if you will, the message of his confession. And uh, Jesus' confessor asserts the fact of his deity 
Again, verse 44, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. He is asserting, if you will, in his message of his confession, he is asserting his deity. If you will, look with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Luke chapter 4, and beginning in verse 16. Here the Lord Jesus Christ speaks of the one that sent him. In Luke 4, beginning in verse 16, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto, unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord uh, is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them, all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at, his, at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not, this jo- uh, is not this Joseph's son? Now we see here in this passage of Scripture, Christ, as he's standing in the synagogue, takes the word of God, and he is speaking of the fact that the Spirit of God has sent him to preach deliverance and what have you to the captives, preach the acceptable year of the Lord and what have you. And he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He's saying, God, the Holy Spirit has sent me. I'm fulfilling the prophecy of this in this, in this instance. Look with me to John 5. John chapter 5 <clears throat> and verse 31. John 5 and 31. And it's important, folks, that... Uh, that uh, Jesus dealt with these kinds of things because the Jews were constantly skeptical of just who Jesus was. As a matter of fact, they said, is this not Joseph's son, Joseph the carpenter's son? And we know when Christ is asserting his deity in the passage we're talking about as well as many others. In John 5 and 31, John 5 and 31, here Jesus said, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another... Uh, that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent uh, unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Remember earlier, as we're talking about the deity and Christ's confession of his deity, he's speaking of the fact that he that believeth on me believeth on him that sent me. Okay, that's important because to believe on Christ is to believe on God because Christ is God in the flesh. But let's read on. Verse 37, the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. He hath neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not uh, his word abiding in you, for he whom, uh, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. He's speaking of himself as being sent of God. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they did. They believed that their, their hope of heaven 
was in obedience to the law of God found in the word of God. But what does Jesus say? And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. He's asserting again that the Father has sent him, borne witness of him. The scripture bears witness of him. The Holy Spirit has sent him and sent him to do what? If you will confess that he is the, uh, his deity or he is God in the flesh. John 8. John 8 and verse 56 we won't go through all the scripture concerning the deity of Christ. We're going to focus on a few of the scriptures that Christ, where he plainly declares himself uh, to be God in the flesh. In John 8 and 56, as Jesus is dealing with the Jews, says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. How did he see the day of Christ? By faith, looking forward uh, to uh, Jesus Christ as being, if you will, uh, the virgin-born Son of God, the seed of the woman that God spoke of in Genesis 3 and 15, and everyone after that time as God established the gospel in that seed knew and understand and were saved by that seed looking forward to Christ. Before any, we'll read on and see what he says. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art uh, not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And that's so important because he is saying, he is invoking the name of God that we find in Genesis uh, chapter 3, or excuse me, Exodus 3 and 15, when Moses asked God from the burning bush, he said, when they ask uh, who, what is this, the name of God, he says, I am that I am, amen. And again, he's invoking that name. And what is the response that he gets? He's saying, I am God. Verse 59, then took they up stones to cast out him, at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And this is so important, folks, because if Jesus is only a man, he can do nothing for any other man. He cannot save anyone. And even as they mocked Christ as he hung on the cross of Calvary, and they said he saved others himself, he cannot save. If he were not God, he couldn't save anyone, including himself. Now we know as he hung on the cross of Calvary, he would have violated the plan and will of God to come down off the cross because it was his chief will that he go to the cross of Calvary for a sinful man. And so it is that he declares again, I am God. Look with me to John 10. Very familiar passage of scripture in John 10. And let's look at verse 27. Here, here again, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now let me say this again. What good is it to be in the hand of Jesus? Nothing. In the hand of God, everything. Because Jesus is not just Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He says... <clears throat> Uh, in verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father, one is, what is he saying? I'm God. And they got the message. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for, blas but because, but for blasphemy, because that thou being a man, 
makest thyself God. They got the message. When he said, I and my father are one, he's saying, I am God. And that was huge. And, it, and he seemed to, to these folks blasphemers. And yet we know that he is true. Even as he said, he is true in John 14. John 14 and uh, verse 6. <clears throat> John 14 and uh, verse 6. Here the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he's speaking of what he had said prior to that. He's going to prepare a place for his children. Verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. Also, From henceforth you, 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 uh, you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Now he's just said, if you see, you see me, you've seen the Father. But he goes on to say, Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Known him as what? The Father. He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then show us the Father? You know, what an amazing thing. He, at times he tell, told even his disciples plainly, and they struggle a little bit with the idea. Wait, wait a second, he's saying, I'm God. It's exactly what he's saying. You know what, he is confession concerning himself was an assertion of his deity. Look back, if you will, to John 12 and see the second thing. John 12, in the message of his confession, first of all, he asserts the fact of his deity in John 12. And let's look at verse 46. John 12 and 46, Jesus says this, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Secondly, he asserts in his confession, the message of his confession, he asserts the fact that he is the light of the world. And folks, light is, is always synonymous with holiness and God. In, uh, John, in the same chapter, John 12 and 35, John 12 and 35, Christ had already spoken to that earlier, but he's reminding, you know, so... You know, folks, it's so amazing how soon we forget something once we've been told it or taught it. And it's important that uh, we be reminded constantly of these things. In John 12 and 35, then uh, Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you, and while you walk while you have the light. Now, who's he referring to? Himself. And he says here, Lest darkness come upon you, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and, uh, and departed, and did hide himself from them. And you know, he's told them, uh, he's told them earlier, he's told them again, he's, he's asserting the fact that he is the light of the world in his confession, the message of his confession. Look at me to John 8. John chapter 8, and look beginning in verse 12. John 8, and the beginning in verse 12. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, <clears throat> Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, and thy record is not true. They're calling him a liar. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, 
but she cannot tell whence I uh, come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Again, he's referring back to the fact that the Father sent him, sent him to be the light of the world in Christ, is asserting the fact that he is the light of the world in his con confession. Look with me to John 9. John 9, and we'll begin in verse 4. John 9, and beginning in verse 4. Here the Bible says, And I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the, light cometh when no, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And said unto him, uh, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way and came... Uh, and went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. You know, what an amazing thing, folks. The very works that he did verified his assertion, first of it, uh, his assertion to deity, secondly, to his assertion uh, to being the light of the world in John 3. John 3, and uh, look at verse 19. John 3, and uh, beginning in verse 19. <clears throat> <clears throat> and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are... Well, what's he referring to? Light has come into the world. Himself. And, you know, there was a tussle going on because the religious world and most of the Bible says he came a light of the world. He came unto his own and his own received him not. The very light of, of God is there present and they, they didn't seem to understand or, or want him. He, he's light come into the world the Bible says here, and uh, uh, men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You know, here Christ came to, to the religious world, the Jews. He came to them first and foremost, and yet they rejected the light of the world, which is Jesus Christ, because of their sinful nature by their own choice, if you will. Thirdly, if you look back to our text in John 12, not only does he assert his deity, he asserts himself to be the light of the world, the fact that he is the light of the world. And I say fact on purpose. We're not talking about opinions. It's not my opinion that Jesus is God in the flesh. It is not my opinion that he is the light of the world. It's the very confession of God himself from the lips of of our Lord Jesus Christ in John 12. Look again, if you will, to verse 47. And let's see the third thing. He asserts his deity, the fact of his deity, he asserts the fact that he is the light of the world. Thirdly, he asserts the fact that he is the savior of the world, verse 47. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Now folks, Christ did not come as judge first. But one day he will be judge. You know, what a, what a blessing that he is, his, the, the effect of his first coming is to be the savior of the world. And that there's still an opportunity for those who have not yet believed on him, taken and believed on him with all their heart, trusted him and him alone to be their savior. There's still hope. 
for folks to be saved by the grace of God and escape the judgment of our Lord Jesus Christ in the future. He came to save the world. Look with me to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 and verse 10. Matthew 18 and verse 10. Here the Bible says, Take heed that you despise not one of the, these little ones. And he's talking about children. So I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How think ye, <clears throat> if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth, uh, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than over the ninety and nine persons which went astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now understand, he's talking about children, little children. Earlier in the, in the text, the context we find he's talking about little children. But understand this, when little children up to a point are a part of the kingdom of heaven, if they're to die, if they die, if they die without being able to understand and comprehend the gospel, they die in a state of grace, if you will, because they can't. You know, listen, God is not going to hold any child or any individual, say, that has a, a disorder that causes them not to be able to comprehend and understand uh, things as they should, like sometimes people who are autistic and have other kinds of disorder where they can't see, they can't understand, they cannot comprehend. God is not going to hold them accountable any more than he will with little children. And let me say this, let's not rush to push our children to make uh, uh, early ch uh, professions of faith because, folks, if they cannot understand that, if they cannot understand the gospel, they cannot understand their own sinfulness, their own need. They, they, listen, folks, they're not ready to be saved. But they're okay with God. The Bible says, for of such are the kingdom of heaven. Listen, we need to remember and understand the nature of the gospel and the kindness of God. You know, when David sinned with Bathsheba and they had a child... And God's hand went out against David. God took the child. And in the process of the child dying, David uh, went before God and pleaded for the child's life. And yet when the child died, he got up, he cleaned himself up, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. And his servants came to him and said, what is this? While the child was yet alive, you fasted, you wept, you prayed, and now he's dead? Don't you seem to care? But his response was this. He shall not come to me, but I shall go to him. Amen. You know, it's sad. You know what? Over 70 million uh, children are aborted in this world annually by year. 70 million. The only consolation we can find in that is that when they die, they're going to be with the Lord. Because God is a merciful God. And this idea that if we baptize them as babies, oh, that's going to fix them. Baptism doesn't save anybody. Baptism doesn't wash away sin. There's no magical power in infant baptism. As a matter of fact, it's very unscriptural. 
So it's important, folks, that, that we understand, folks, that Christ is the Savior of those that understand and can comprehend the fact that they need to be saved. And, you know, there's no set age. I'm not going to say, well, they've got to be 10 or 12 before they can be saved. You know, a person's level of understanding varies from person to person. But let's not rush little children into making a profession. Folks, to do that is to treat salvation as if it were an inoculation. Like, oh, we pray the prayer. Now they've got the shot, the vaccine. They're good. Amen. Just like COVID. <laughs> the COVID vaccine's a joke. There's no, there's no power in it, really, to do anything, it seems. And folks, to rush a child in to make a, a profession of faith isn't guaranteeing they're saved. Saying words. You know, there are people that say words, pray prayers who don't get saved. There's a different salvation is a work of God in the human heart where God draws them to himself and they see and understand, you know what? I'm lost. I need Christ. And they see that Christ is the answer with all their heart and they turn to him and trust him. He is the Savior. In Luke 9, Luke 9, in verse 51, Bible says, And came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, these are the sons of thunder, <laughs> I saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou, command, uh, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of. And he's not saying here that Elias was wrong. But what he is saying is, let's be careful about this whole matter here. He says, you know not what manner of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man has come to destroy, not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You know, Christ is not, did not come to destroy people. He did not come to rip them to shreds, even in his preaching. He came to help them to see. They came as a physician, helping them to see, you've got a problem. You've got a sickness, and the sickness is sin. A sickness that all men have. And he alone is the physician, the Savior. In Luke 19 and 1. Luke 19 and 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief of, the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto, unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, you know something I've often wondered? You know, Christ went out of his way to seek and to save that which was lost with Zacchaeus. And I sometimes have to wonder if he did not do it personally, because maybe there, would, there may have been some who would refuse to go and talk to him. Being a sinner, being a publican. You know, sometimes, folks, we as Christian people, 
uh, let's, let's be careful about saying, well, you know what, I don't, I don't think we, that person won't. Look, look at what a mess they are. Look at, what's, they, look at what a sinner she is. Amen. Uh, surely she won't have anything to do with the gospel. Surely she won't listen. Surely she can't be helped. Really? Why are you saved? Was it because, what was, it, what was the reason you got saved? Because you were a sinner. All men are sinners, to varying degrees. The degree of our sin doesn't separate us from anybody else. We're all sinners, and we stand short of the glory of God, but for the grace of God. And you know what, folks? We ought to be careful and willing to reach out to anybody who needs the gospel, whether we like what they're doing or not. You know, it's difficult. You know, I, you, you say, well, preacher, would you talk to anybody? Well, I might struggle with Joe Biden. He's a nut. <laughs> but he needs to be saved. And what if the Lord brought me in proximity? Would you take a gun and shoot him? No. Would you witness to him? I would hope I would. I would hope I would. Even though I don't agree with him. Even, I, even though I hate his policies. And I hate some of what he endorses. Should I not talk to him about the Lord? Now, the chances of me and Joe, Joe Buddy getting together are probably neither slim to none. <laughs> but maybe there's someone that the Lord has brought along his way and could bring his way. You know, Jesus went out of his way to talk to this man, Zacchaeus, on purpose. Maybe knowing that <clears throat> uh, nobody else would take it on. <clears throat> In verse 6, the response is amazing. And he made haste, this sinner, this publican, this tax collector, this IRS guy, came down and received him joyfully. And that, that in contrast to the, the, the self-righteous religious world that cared nothing at all for Christ. He received him joyfully. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In verse 7, and when he saw it, they all murmured, saying that he has gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said, that, uh, said unto, unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, if I have taken any man by, uh, for anything from uh, any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. We see the evidence of salvation right here. He wants to make restitution. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house for as much as uh, he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is, asserts the fact that he is the savior of the world. John 3 and 16. John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Christ came to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. And thirdly, or fourthly, lastly, in his message, he asserts his deity. He asserts the fact of his deity. He asserts the fact that he is the the light of the world, he asserts. Thirdly, that he is the, the fact that he is the savior of the world. And fourthly, look back to John 12. 
John 12 and verse 48 to verse 50. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which hath sent me, he gave me commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. And whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. The last thing he asserts, he asserts the fact of the authority of his word. He asserts the fact of the authority of his word. You know what, folks? He's speaking of commandment. And he is speaking as one who has authority. Well, who has higher authority than God? No one. Who is the final authority of all men? God. Matthew 7. Matthew 7. And verses 28 and 29. Bible says, and came to pass, <clears throat> when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one, <clears throat> as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, it's interesting that the religious leadership among the Jews had, if you will, the authority, and yet did not speak with the authority of God because they spoke the traditions of men rather than the commandments of Almighty God. Now, you know what, what's, an, a, what's a, a, a limp, a worthless thing in religion? It's the, the, the false religion of, of following tradition, man-made traditions and what have you. It, it's, it's, it's powerless, and it has no authority from heaven. The, the authority from God in heaven comes through His Word. Amen. A word that we're going to all of us have to answer to one day. In Mark 7 and verse 1. Mark 7 and 1. <clears throat> Bible says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. Mark 7 and 2. And when, they saw, uh, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they were come from the market, except they wash, um, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have uh, received a hold as the washings of pots, cups and pots and brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat uh, bread with unwashed hands? Now this is huge, right? They didn't wash their hands before they ate bread. And these guys are so stirred up because they have violated the traditions of men, the traditions established by the Jewish leadership. Surely that should be the final say of all that, they, that, that men should do. I mean, even, should not the Lord Jesus know this? And shouldn't his disciples know this? <clears throat> Verse 6. And he answered and said unto them, 
Well, as well hath Isaiah the prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How being in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. I mean, shouldn't that cause an outrage? To deny the authority of God's word in their lives and place human traditions and opinions above the word of God? Should not we as Christian people at times be outraged by that? We should be. For Moses, verse 10, said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father and mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and, it sh and he shall be free, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye delivered, and many such like things ye do. Christ took them to task over the matter of human tradition, religious tradition being elevated above the authority of God's word. The Lord dealt with it, addressed it. Matthew 21 and 23. Matthew 21 and 23. Matthew 21 and beginning in verse 23. <clears throat> And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? Now what a question to ask. Authority is important for what we do and why we do it. They're questioning God in the flesh concerning his authority. They reject the authority of God's word. It placed themselves as an authority above and beyond God and his word. Then they had the gall to ask him. Jesus answered them and said unto them, he doesn't answer it directly, he answers it in this manner, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I in like likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? John Baptist baptism. And let me remind you, this scriptural baptism is always Baptist baptism. Always. But let's read on. <clears throat> <clears throat> The baptism of John winces from heaven or men. And they reasoned within the, with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. Yeah, they're in a, they're in a quandary. They're, in a, they're having a problem here. Because to openly deny John Baptist is to openly deny a man sent from God. Known to be sent from God, a prophet of God the herald of Jesus Christ's first coming. It was huge to, to deny that. But then to say something else would create, an, I mean, they were in a fix. And it was a question of authority. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. Then they were dodging the bullet, only they'd not been hit by it. And he said to them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. You know what, folks? In saying that, he did tell them. He said, I have the same authority that John Baptist had. But what think ye? A certain son, a certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, uh, uh, 
he repented and went. He came to the second and likewise said, and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of the twain did the will of his father, and they say unto him the first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. John, for John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and he believed him not. But the publicans and harlots believed him, and when ye had seen it, repented not afterward uh, that ye might believe. I mean, what a scathing rebuke. You know, basically, he told him, he said, you know what, the, the publicans and harlots are listening to God, and you're not. They're listening, they're listening to the authority of God, those that God has sent, and you're not. You have a problem, and they don't have a problem. They're following and acknowledging the authority of God's word. <clears throat> if you will, look with me to Matthew 23. Matthew 23 and verse 13. Matthew 23 and uh, verse 13. Here Jesus says, But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. To devour a widow's house was a sin against God, a commandment. They were to take care of widows not devour them, not to use them, not to abuse them. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, blind guides, which, uh, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. And God's word made the altar and the, and the temple of higher authority and priority. And verse 21, And whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him that setteth thereon. Woe unto scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and, and anise and cumin and have omitted, uh, have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, faith, these ought ye to have done, but not to leave the other done. Ye blind guides would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. It was an amazing thing. They would minimize the things that were super important under the authority of God's word, and then they would major on the minors. You know, folks, you know, the problem they had was they rejected the authority of God's word in their life, and yet one day Jesus said it. Look back to John 12 and 48. John 12 and 48. <clears throat> He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. What is, what is these words that Jesus is speaking of? The word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, all of those words are the words of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of them because why? Jesus Christ is God. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. So important. And folks, as we're talking about and have been talking about uh, Christ's confession from verses 44 to 50, 
he, he is, if you will, he asserts in his message of his confession, his deity, the fact of his deity. He asserts the fact of, that he is the light of the world. He asserts the fact that he is the Savior, the one and only Savior of the world. And he asserts, lastly, the fact of the authority of his word. And those things are huge. And yet the Jews, the Jews rejected every one of those. Many of them rejected every single one of those. It's important. It's important if you're not saved that you be careful to, not to reject Christ's confession of himself. It's important that you're careful. And let me say this to Christian people. We need to be careful not to reject Christ's, uh, if you will, confession of himself ourselves. Sometimes we can, if we're not careful, begin to treat Christ as if he's less than God. And we do that. Treat him as if he's less than God. Treat his word as if it's something just like the words of men to be set aside, to reject, to treat as nothing. To, to reject his light, the light of the world, and so forth and so on. It's important what we believe and what we receive. Christ is confessing to all those and to us the message of his, his confession. And then we're going to talk about the manner next time of his confession. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.